You're listening to A Different Human Dimension, a podcast about ADHD and general mental health. This podcast was produced by XYZ, EcoCIC and Flow State Music. This podcast may contain strong language, so if you've sensitive ears, please switch off now. This podcast was recorded over Zoom and Skype, so bear with us for the audio quality. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just email xyzcic.scott at gmail.com. We wanted to say a big thanks to Colin Lundy for our new logo for the podcast, and in this episode we'll be speaking to Annabelle from ADHD Galaxy and Bedford Tutor as well. Without further ado, here we go. Mornings and welcome to uh, Different Human Dimension. Well, this week we're going to be talking about um, the lack of well, services. Um, and I only can speak from my, my, my experience. I am desperately wanting people to signpost people to services they found that's work. I myself, I'm actually in the midst of just forming my own, do you know what I mean, base to go and help myself from this. Um, the, the the lack of them, specifically in the, the west coast of Scotland as, as well, you know, an area with quite high um, demand on like mental health services. I'm not wanting to brag, I'm not wanting to brag here, but in the last, I've been living over here for five years. My family's from this bit, so I'm not trying to rip it or that, but in the last four years, I think two years ago, it took the crown of the most deprived area in Scotland. Inverclyde, okay? Um, yeah. I, I didn't move there for this reason. Um, it just so happened my life fell apart and I ended up landing over here, which um, was supposedly where some of my family was from. Um, but when I was over here, I, I can see how different it is from... Well, I'm originally from Orkney, so I've seen this, the health services up in Orkney, and it's for a lot smaller community and size-wise. And I've also lived and been brought up in Edinburgh. Um, and I could... Seriously, you can tell the difference of the lack of um, investment into a lot of services over here. It, it seems like 20 years ago almost. Do you know what I mean? Um, that is quite scary when you when you see the lack of things there. It's not down to the practitioners and stuff. It's down to the lack of, I mean, investment in things. The first two, two years I was seen over here by the mental health team, I was seen by a locum psychiatrist. Okay, so that okay, means what's... a locum psychiatrist, basically a substitute teacher, okay? Right, okay. He wasn't based here, but he was coming over from Edinburgh and seeing clients over here because they didn't have enough psychiatrists in, in the mental health services over here to go and meet the demands. So, um, doctor, well, again, names are here. I've got a public service ombudsman going out there. I will put everything out there public. What I found amazingly was when, when the doctor came through, the psychiatrist came through, that he said, oh, are you still here? Are you still not seen, have you still not been linked up with someone permanently? I went, no. Now, I got several letters through with a different doctor's name on that I never got to see. They keep on cancelling these these um, appointments with the doctor that I never got to see. Um, it took two and a half years to see anybody from psychology, right? Because again, their policy until March 2018 in Britain, and that's derived from the NICE guidance, is hmm. the only offer they would offer adults, not children, as adults with ADHD, was pharmaceutical. There was no therapeutical options there. Well, as in, on their, on their list there, and say, what can we offer this guy? Two and a half years to 
wait for something like that is you know in, insane and like, I guess the services like that especially in that area are stretched thin but I mean if you've got specifically with mental health like whether that be ADHD depression bipolar like anxiety and stuff like that if you've got to wait for like two and a half it's a long time man if you're struggling well, you know what I mean two and a half years there right in the space of never mind the two and a half years I was diagnosed in the space of the first five months of like me pushing to see I mean I had nothing else on was at the same time the kind of the divorce all my life had kind of like came apart at the same time so in that space of two, two and a half years I went from having a three bedroom house in Edinburgh running a business to living in a homeless shelter in Inverclyde with do you know what I mean um, with a diagnosis and being told by the support workers at the CPN I had at the time um, she was very helpful um, again um, we'll leave names out of certain bits and pieces of this bits the bit here, the CPN wrote this letter, and this this the first letter. I'll, I think you've got a copy of it there, um, Kyle. And again, I've asked Kyle sometimes to read things out from me because when it comes to me reading off paper, um, I, I jump all over it, and it's very um, jumpy. Yeah. First letter I wanted to read to you, and I'll try and read this last bit here. This was the first time I'd seen myself written down in paper as what other people had seen me medically. Is this and the it, HSPCP yes, one? HSPC, um, and I always love this, is the Health and Social Care Partnership in Berkeley. And I always love at the bottom of their letters, it always has their, in inverted commas, improving lives. So for five years of my life, I've had these letters with these things saying improving lives. And it's the last thing it's actually done. Um, and it's, it's one of these ironic jokes that they put down at the bottom there. Um, but the, the letter here, this is the first time I'd seen myself written on paper. And it was genuinely explaining to me I was, I mean, I was written off by society as such. Well, yeah, it's, it's such as I didn't understand. I didn't function that well. Um, but I did yeah. realise the chaos had cost my life. So yeah, this is the this is the the, the letter here. It's dated twenty-eighth um, of June, two thousand and seventeen. So you're obviously living across in the the, the west there in Inverclyde. Yeah, so the letter starts as uh, to whom it may concern. It's Re Chris um, address, date birth, etc. I'm writing to you regarding Mr. Ryan's request for a dis- discretionary housing payment to assist him with renting a property of at least two bedrooms. Mr. Ryan feel it benefited from having somebody else stay with him on a regular basis, either in the capacity of paid support or a less formal friend slash family basis. Currently, Mr. O'Brien lives in a one-bedroom flat, so this option has not been available to him. Mr. O'Brien has been a patient of Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team, which is the CMHT, since June 2016. So that was a year to this letter. At this time, he was referred due to symptoms of anxiety and depression, which are all still evident, but has since been diagnosed as having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD. So at this point here, since he wouldn't, she's just putting the basics down in this bit, I was still asking, because from the research I did, ADHD is usually combined with something else. Mm-hmm. So I was still asking them, look, when they gave me the diagnosis of ADHD, they kind of just pushed me out the door and said, look, take the tablets or we're not helping you. And remember, yeah, yeah. the legislation didn't change till 2018, so I had another year battling on this. But I was asking them, look, I know I'm suffering from anxiety and depression because I'm going through the divorce, all this all this stuff had happened separate from life. But my underlying conditions, I wanted to understand. I wanted to be diagnosed with, with, I understand what diagnosis I had. And it wasn't just ADHD, they're always combined usually. A big percentage is combined. So I was asking what I'm combined with. Yeah. That was the biggest task for them because they didn't want to touch it with a barge pole because I wouldn't take tablets. 
Yeah, we'll continue with the the letter. So, since his referral to the community mental health team, Mr. O'Brien has been allocated a community psychiatric nurse, or CPN, and a homemaker. He meets with each of them on a one to two weekly basis. He's been allocated a consultant psychiatrist, formerly I won't name names, Dr. C, now Dr. M. Dr. C diagnosed uh, Mr. O'Brien with ADHD and met with him on a four-weekly basis to try and review his medication. He now meets with Dr. M on a three-monthly basis. I'll advise Mr. O'Brien's anxiety and depression first. Mr. O'Brien presents as emotionally liable and can be easily frustrated. His marriage has ended. There's very little contact with his strange wife or stepchildren. Mr. O'Brien is still coming to terms with the situation and has found it extremely difficult to adjust to living alone. This is at the root of his anxiety and depression symptoms. Lacks little motivation to tend to personal care, his sleep pattern is erratic, almost nocturnal lifestyle, his dietary intake is poor and he becomes easily upset when put under any strain. So just going to touch on the Well, just touching that people. one. One second, there's the last paragraph over the page there. That's what I sent you that one okay, there. let's have a look. So it goes on to say, With regards to his ADHD, Mr. Rabine was only diagnosed with this in July 2016, but describes having had symptoms since childhood, which is something we touched on in the, the last podcast. His symptoms cause him to be impulsive, highly expressive, excitable, pressured, verbal, hyperactive. Verbose, Verbose is the word of, It's a polite way of saying verbally rude, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Hyperactive and chaotic. He finds it difficult to concentrate on one task at a time. Cannot settle until he's completed a task. This can cause havoc with his sleep pattern. For example, may begin a task in the early evening, but instead of stopping at bedtime and restarting the next day, Mr. Brown will keep going with the task until the early morning to see it completed. He can come across as being gregarious and confident, but is emotionally vulnerable. In respect of these symptoms and his presentation, Mr. O'Brien has been allocated a homemaker from the community mental health team to assist him with the day-to-day tasks such as budgeting, responding to mail, housekeeping, etc. Mr. O'Brien feels he would struggle without this type of practical support and that he would be able to function better if he had somebody stay with him to keep him on track and to prompt him with personal care and housekeeping, which is why he would prefer accommodation with more than one bedroom. Then it just goes on to say, please don't hesitate to contact me if you've had yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. The letter was dated in June. See in August. See before August. I think it was Mm -hmm. two weeks before my birthday. Um, It was, um, yeah, I had my services dropped. Yeah. My services dropped because I wouldn't take the tablets. Because I wouldn't take this. I keep on asking for um, psychology as well as psychiatry. And basically, they got tired of it. Um, I asked them not to put the home worker in place in the place I was in because it wasn't a home for me and I wasn't functioning. So all that disappeared literally within about... I only had that service in for about six months in total of these last six years. Um, And I functioned in some form there to try and build something back for myself. But obviously, life was completely different than what it was before because I didn't have children or a partner and stuff. Um, And I had conditions to deal with. And I didn't have any any help with them because the medication side, I again, um, at the age of 35, getting given tablets from the doctors that is high strength methamphetamine hydrochloride, right? 
Now, if you've been taking them since you're a kid, you might be used to them. But as an adult taking them, I took them for over three months and I noticed a, a dramatic difference in how I functioned. And I knew that wasn't a long-term option for me. I said, I function better than this in my life with other... That's why I looked into psychology, the therapy side of things, the environmental side, the dietary side. That's why I looked at the holistic approach of the ADHD, not just the pharmaceutical. Um, so four years on, the second letter that Kyle's got here, that Kyle's going to go gulp, right? And I will both read it through here, actually, because I think we'll both be comfortable reading this. Way. This is dated 2019. By this time, I'd got involved with the advocacy because I was actually going through what had been suggested by my psychologist is I think it would be a bit of closure for you if you go through the complaints procedure through HSCP, the, the healthcare complaints procedure, which I did. Yeah. I'm three years into that right now. Okay. And that's yeah. got me nowhere to that stuff. But I refer back to the first comment and the first meeting I had with the psychiatrist when he said, the only thing we can offer you is tablets. I said, so do you mean I've got a form somewhere like I did when I was 17 and an art center that works for people like me, I've got to form somewhere like that to go and function again. Now, I'm five years on and I promised myself certain bits and pieces before I would do things. I'm now in a better position because I'm getting help from yourself, Kyle, and a couple other people that are helping me form a, 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 a community interest company that can help a lot of areas in yeah. several people's lives but one of them will be helping with the structure mental that helps health people and, exactly, mental yeah. health. not just ADHD but a, a, an environment where people can feel safe to be expressive and creative exactly it's not just paintbrushes this thing can actually help you genuinely I mean sleep at night if you've done something purposeful during the day um, so yeah so what this second letter is um, is I asked my advocate because after mm -hmm. everything I went through, and I went through the complaints procedure, the complaints procedure came through with a kind of whitewash. I went, because we were allowed to go and appeal, so we did appeal. That's still going through that. It went to the public service ombudsman, and they taken it up to investigate because they thought it was, again, a, a, atrocious how I went through all this stuff. Now, I'm sitting in the situation, but um, the advocate bit there, he I'd asked him, could you put this down on paper so I can understand what I've been what I've been coping with and what I have dealt with and what I'm going to deal with? So then I can switch off from it. I can, I can feel I've done that, but I've to ask. Because um, a lot of these feelings and emotions, all these change around, rattle around in your brain anyway. Never mind having, do you know what I mean, the different wiring, well, the, the, the different chemical balance. Yeah, and I guess um, by by doing this as well, you know, like I, I'm sure there's there's a lot of other people listening, not necessarily in the west coast of Scotland, but from from around the UK or or abroad. This is more kind of Scottish and, and UK specific, but just the kind of the waiting lists and if you're not really into taking pharmaceutical again medication warning like me medication and stuff like how difficult they can make well, here it goes, actually here goes one for you here goes one for you this one for you and that's why we definitely put the medication trigger on it right so for me and the way my brain functions right this even goes for food for me never mind medication i need to understand if I'm going to use something for the rest of my life or if I'm going to have something in my life and it's something that's habitual for me like food and, and fuel like that or medication, something that balances me, I need to know where that comes from, how it comes from there. Would I be able to do that myself? Could I, could I form that myself? Now, I'm not a pharmacist. I don't run a big pharma company. I couldn't produce these pills myself. I couldn't sit there and go, well, you know what? I know what's exactly in them. I know how I could get them. If there was ever anything closed down, anything like that, I know how, I, if that makes me function, I need to rely on knowing where I get that from. 
that thought in my head as a 35 year old man going I've got to rely on a pharmaceutical company for the rest of my life to make my brain work that blew my mind Okay. that's your only option it's like yeah, yeah that exactly blew my mind and, and I couldn't I was like so if I become reliant on these things that is my life reliant on these yeah. things and that scared me that scared me as a person at 35 going because my past history is that I know I've, I've, I've smoked I've smoked I've had tobacco I'm nicotine bad very bad addictive substance um, but I've had cannabis in my life before and again I used to think I was a bad person for smoking the stuff at the time I wouldn't suggest the smoke wise but I didn't realise what the chemicals actually helped me with at the time mm-hmm. It's a natural hair, blah, blah, blah. I understand where that would derive from. That can be grown itself, all this bits and pieces. But that took a lot of worry and stress over that. But if you put me in a country that's illegal to go and have, then I'd have fight that for a couple of years. Now, that law changed in 2019, 2018, November the 9th. I'd have yeah. found it with my GP on that day. And he brought up basically stuff from the Scottish government and what had changed in the legislation. He couldn't once in two and a half years now he couldn't once get me in front of any special panel or any expert. He says, I don't think it exists. He spoke to several colleagues and he doesn't think it's there for these special panels to go and prescribe this to NHS, through the NHS. Now, there's over a thousand prescriptions in Britain now for all different reasons and all this stuff. And it's not just... And growing, yeah. All helps, all helps. But the problem is, there's not one prescription being given out in the NHS yet. Now, that really should be investigated after two and a bit years, okay? Now, I'm sitting there, and again, I've got to try and access privately. Again, that becomes ridiculous for me to go and afford. So I just have to pick and choose the days I'm going to function. Now, even that alone, looking ahead of a week or a month and going, right, how many days of this month can I can I actually function? That's a scary prospect, right? That puts the anxiety up. Never mind the conditions I, I deal with. Okay, so this is the reason why I had this letter written. We got a letter from the advocacy service from the 13th of July last last year. It goes on to say, uh, to whom it may concern, Mr. Christopher O'Brien, that's got your address, I'm writing at Mr. O'Brien's request to summarise his involvement with certain professionals. This summary is based on my written records and not a personal opinion. Mr. O'Brien agreed to these terms. Mr. O'Brien has been known to the advocacy network for approximately three years. Over this period, I have assisted Mr. O'Brien with a number of issues relating to housing, council tax, health and social care partnership, the Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team, financial matters, Department of Work and Pensions, which is the DWP, Scottish Public Service Ombudsman and Police Scotland, etc. Then it goes into the background. Prior to moving to Inverclyde, Mr. O'Brien resided in Edinburgh. In 2015, he referred himself to the Edinburgh Community Mental Health Team, which is the ECMHT, but only received an acknowledgement of his application in the last two years. The same year, Mr. O'Brien moved to Inverclyde to stay with his cousins as he was expecting uh, matrimonial difficulties. Unfortunately, Mr. O'Brien was asked to leave their home. After initially booking into a hotel, he spent some time in a homeless centre and approximately three weeks living in a garage. Then it goes on to the advocacy involvement. I've supported Mr. O'Brien at several meetings with professionals from health, psychiatry, psychology, local government, MSP, MP and the financial sector, and I've written numerous letters and emails on Mr. O'Brien's behalf. 
All of these issues where Mr. O'Brien had, has had the support of advocacy, the concerning ICMHT, which is the Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team, is possibly the most appropriate one to start with. Dr. C at the Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team diagnosed adult ADHD probable mix with personality disorder in brackets cluster B with strong impulsive narcissistic historic and paranoid traits so Mr. O'Brien believes that his difficulties derived from these conditions Dr. R specialist general in adult psychiatry had a slightly different opinion and on the 28th of February 2019 he wrote I am not of the opinion you have ADHD and I believe your difficulties to be in keeping with a lot of personality disorder on the 14th of January 2019 Mr O'Brien's then partner accompanied him to an appointment with a psychologist this was the first time Mr. O'Brien's partner attended such a meeting. She later, exp- later explained to the advocacy that she was appalled by the psychologist's lack of empathy and his total disregard for Mr. O'Brien's feelings. She stated that the psychologist constantly spoke over him throughout the session, which ended prematurely due to Mr. O'Brien becoming extremely distressed emotionally. Mr. O'Brien's partner was infuriated. She wrote a letter which was included in Mr. O'Brien's complaint against Inverclyde Health and Social Care Partnership. He is no longer in this relationship. From many conversations I've had with Mr. O'Brien, I've learned that his sleeping patterns can be extremely erratic. This combined, with, this combined with other environmental factors can have a detrimental effect on his mental state. Mr. O'Brien sometimes states that his brain is racing. When having a better day, he's extremely articulate and can incorporate rational thinking into the conversation. When he becomes extremely emotional, however, he tends to lose the ability to express himself verbally, his voice begins to amplify, and his body language can be interpreted, interpreted as confrontational. In many of our one-to-one meetings, I've observed all of the above. My response has been not to react in kind, and I've found listening and gentle discussion to be quite successful in regrouping Mr. O'Brien's thoughts. Although the two psychiatrists deferred about Mr. O'Brien's having ADHD, they concurred in their diagnosis of a personality disorder and the difficulties I've experienced from this condition. Given this dual consensus, the behavioural effects of personality disorder, Mr. O'Brien feels some latitude should have been afforded to him when his behaviour became erratic and his emotions overpowered him. Mr. O'Brien has asked to be referred for cognitive behavioural therapy, which is CBT, as this form of talking therapy has been known to have some success in cases similar to his. request was not granted by the Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team, he sought a qualified person and funded this service privately. The Department of Work and Pensions asked Mr O'Brien to attend a medical, uh, a medical in Glasgow to assess his eligibility for personal independence payment, or PIP. Advocacy assisted Mr. O'Brien to travel to this appointment. The journey to Glasgow was uneventful, but when we reached the venue we had to wait as it was lunchtime. 
Unfortunately, this period of waiting caused Mr. Brown to become quite emotional. His appointment was moved forward and he was seen by an NHS health worker. Since he was already in a highly emotional state, some of some of the questions he was asked caused him further distress. The health worker took the decision to terminate the assessment. This decision was not taken on the grounds that the health worker was afraid or intimidated, but rather because they observed how distressed Mr. O'Brien was becoming. The appointment lasted approximately 20 minutes, and even when Mr. O'Brien became emotional, this worker did not appear to become irritated or project any annoyance. She treated Mr. O'Brien with respect and empathy and demonstrated a very high level of professionalism. Before we left, she explained that she would contact my office if she required any additional information for her final report. Following this, she sent an email to Advocacy, stating that she didn't require any supplementary evidence and her final report would become would recommend Mr. O'Brien remains on PIP. He's still on this benefit. Mr. Brown would like to highlight the difference in attitude between this health worker and several of the staff employed by the Inverclyde Community Mental Health Team. The PIP assessor did not become confrontational when Mr. Brown was agitated. She maintained a disciplined manner and spoke to Mr. Brown with a dignified tone. She could see how distressed he was. Mr. O'Brien states that he also felt hostility toward him, did not listen to anything he had to say. Mr. O'Brien is in the opinion that they viewed him as a problem and feels that his life actually inferior since moving to Inverclyde, for which he holds the Inverclyde Community Health Team totally responsible. Mr. O'Brien was discharged from ICMHT and the clinical lead of psychiatry recently refused to assess him with regards to another matter. So that's the the letter from, and a kind of snapshot of the dealings my with the advocate. Okay, it's quite hard me hearing some of that, but not hard, but I just go through the emotions. I know the day I was at, I know the bits and pieces there. And thank you, buddy, for just getting up at the time and start making a big yawn noise whilst you're reading. That's why to press the mute button. On that letter's note there. Now, I want to put out to people out there <clears throat> from that letter there that there is there is services out there yeah. but our NHS is not providing them as far as I know in this side of the country and even when I investigate into the rest of the country I found there was an org- um, they were doing a pilot, pilot scheme called Sparks Project over in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and I asked her to be referred to that that was started in 2017 Okay. And they were looking to work with occupational therapists and the non-pharmaceutical intervention with adults with ADHD. They did the pilot program pro- projects um, and they were going to roll out in two areas of Edinburgh and then they are going to roll it out city-wide. And I tried two years ago to try and move to Edinburgh for that reason. Two years it's taken me still not to be able to move. And it, before pandemic, just, again, a lot of things are difficult, but I was willing to move across the country to go and try and access services. And again, they're only pilot services. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean? That that letter as well was like having to go the private route because it was yeah. just not. And, and the hardest thing is when you go to the private route and you find it actually helps you and then you can't afford it. Yeah, and that's... It's so a I've been too. two years now not being able to afford it and I'm sitting there going, I know there's ways that can help me. And it's not, I don't want to help myself. It's just... 
I know I don't function on my own properly. As in, not mm-hmm. on my own, as in someone's got to hold my hands all the time. But it's we're, no. we're tribal animals. I mean, we're tribal. We're tribal setting. The community's gone in a lot of different senses and forms, eh? And that's what got brought up with the again me making the community interest company with yourself and so on there. That that's that's what the the Arcadia is in this world. The venue I made before. I made a place up in Orkney called the venue. It was there to go and help people like me find purpose and find a um, find an a outlet of, yeah find an outlet to, to feel even normal in one place because a lot of people mm-hmm. find a peace and calm and balance in lots of places well a lot of us don't find that in a lot of places um, so anyway that 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 layer there hopefully gets a wee bit of background but I'm not on this this is part, partly therapeutical for me this podcast but partly I'm wanting to share my story for other people to go and find a way to go and share their stories now when I sat there with these doctors and I said to them look I'm going to find a way that what you guys are putting me through you'll remember me because this is not the way you should treat people no and that's why I asked the advocate to go and write that letter for me because I didn't know how I was going to uh, um express this um, yeah it's not about publicly it's not about getting that it's about just being able to go look this is not this is this is this shouldn't happen um, and I went Having through the route of, for your own reference as well on, on one my own reference paper, you know at one point when I got a lot of this set down, I used to have a sitting in my, on, on my worktop in my kitchen. So when I came down in the morning, I could look at it and go, oh, I'm dealing with the stuff I've got to deal with. Because I, I would wake up for, I mean, remember at 35, it still took me two and a bit years to wake up and go, oh, actually, I'm functioning with ADHD. I'm actually functioning with something different. I wasn't going, right, where's the kids? Where's this, that, and I'm trying to, I mean, two and a bit years, still not waking up thinking, where's the kids? I better get them ready for school. Do you know what I mean? I had two and a half years of doing that, okay? Yeah, now, yeah. That is a mad one having that every morning, waking up, trying to get your kids ready for school when they're no there, and then having a whole depressive episode every morning, um, realising you've not got kids to get ready, right? But that bit there, I'd pick myself up from and do the bits. That's where the last three and a bit years I've had Buddy in my life. I wake up in the morning, yeah. he's getting me ready. I've got to get him ready. Um, it gets me to get ready. But if I didn't have that, I had nothing to kind of focus on. That's depression, anxiety. But, but the ADHD bit makes it very hard to focus on what your purpose is supposed to be doing in the first place. So having that creative outlets in my life through the art centres I've had before, um, I've helped found and, and, and start and run. Um, I realised that was part of the outlet I had. That's why, I, when I mentioned before, a lot of my mum's work with special needs and learning difficulties, I was around them environments all my, you know I mean, my adolescence and all that stuff. So I didn't notice the difference in me until it came to the fore of when I realised in social situations when I'm in my 20s and my 30s going, how am I the one sticking out like a sore thumb to other people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other people were looking at me going, wow, get Chris in. He's got all the energy. That's, he's, he's your icebreaker. That's why I was nicknamed some of my good friends the icebreaker or the crazy yeah. monkey. Several languages because they just got me. They just got this energy came in the room. And that's me. That's all me. See, the bits that that's destroyed me in the last week was the depression and anxiety that came on top of realising the bit of me that gave all that to the world didn't allow me to go and look after myself like my peers did look after yeah. themselves um, but I could look after other people but yeah that thing's there is, is, is there's there's some guests we're wanting to get on on this and talk about ways they're finding a way to express themselves because there's a lot of people out on the internet now and I mean a lot of the social media platforms and that stuff weren't about there yeah and speaking of guests we have Annabelle from ADHD Galaxy and Bedford Tutor as well so uh, yeah I'll introduce her just now and we'll have a have a wee chat so Annabelle I guess um, if you could just give a wee sort of like background about yourself and when okay. you sort of diagnosed with ADHD <laughs> 
So, um, my parents thought I had ADHD when I was about six or seven. I was quite a difficult toddler. Um, And when I I was a really, I was a really, really energetic child to the point where my parents found it quite hard to keep up with me. Um, When I started school, um, I really liked school. I had no particular issues with the academic side of school. Because if you put me in a room full of people, um, I become really well behaved because I've got quite a I'm quite a perfectionist and I'm also quite a people pleaser so if I the more people that are in an environment the more my behavior tones down to fit in with the people around me so I'm quite good at masking that in school I learned quickly that um I wasn't going to get away with being naughty because I was naughty at times and I didn't get away with it I had a really strict head teacher um and I learned very quickly that I had to mask the hyperactivity side of it so, um, but my parents, because of what I was like outside of school, um, and even in school to some degree, um, they were convinced that I'd got like hyperactive ADHD because I was constantly on the move, constantly exploring new things, asking myriad questions. It was just like this whirlwind. That was how they described my childhood was like a whirlwind. I was really untidy, chaotic, like everything you'd expect. And my mum ended up going to a meeting about ADHD when I was probably about seven and she came away from it um, sort of like oh well she can't have it because she sleeps at night Um, because I did I slept well I have always had sleep where I have a lot of dreams I kick around a lot I'm quite active in my sleep but I still do sleep I'm not a person that struggles to take, I'm not a person that struggles to get up. Um, I can struggle to get to sleep, but once I'm asleep, I'm usually asleep. And if I wake up, I go back to sleep quickly. So <clears throat> COVID happened um, and I had to turn my business online really quickly. And it was a case of, I coped because I had to, but Everyone else around me seemed to be coping better than I was. I was struggling with this, the, the fact that I was now doing everything online and I was my attention span was just getting worse and worse because it was all online. And I spoke to a friend and she's like, well, you know what I said when you were 21, I thought you've got ADHD. I haven't got ADHD. People who have ADHD are people who do badly at school. I can't have ADHD. She's like, Annabelle, I work with people with ADHD. I think you've got it. I'm like, no, 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 I so haven't got ADHD. So we had this kind of, my friend and I, she's constantly, she's been on about it since she's met me when way back when I was about 20. So then I, um, you know, when you start to sort of explore something a little bit, you start to sort of mm-hmm. look at it a little bit. And I'm thinking, yeah. I'm reading a few articles about girls with ADHD, realizing that quite a lot of them did well in school. Uh, quite a lot of them got good grades. Quite a lot of them did this and this and this. And I'm looking back thinking, maybe this is a possibility. Um, and so on the 25th of June, which is my birthday, I posted some school reports on Facebook as a laugh. We were just coming out of the quarantine situation and we were all starting to do more and I was meeting up with friends and stuff. And um, one of my friends who's a GP, she took one look at this school report. It's one I sent you, Chris. And um, you know what I've said about your hyperactive behavior? Now I can see that you had it when you were a child. It's clear that this isn't something new. This isn't something that came yeah. on when you were 18. This has been going on since you... It, it was one of my friends in my 30s that had a medical background that pointed out to me. I'd not yeah. seen him in 10 years. And he went, you're still like you are when you were a kid. And I went, what do you mean? I thought it was normal. 
Yeah, that's two people that pointed it out. And she's like, I really do think you've got ADHD. I was like, well, I said, well, is that going to sort of change anything in my life? Because I'm doing all right. I've got a successful business. I've got, um, I've got quite a good life. I mean, I've not got any. Coincidentally, what is your business for the week? I am a private tutor. I'll tell you more about that later, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, coincidentally, your business is to do with your lifestyle. That's why you didn't notice it so much. Because if you worked a nine-to-five job, you would have found it very difficult. Yeah. So I I looked at this school report, and I I started to see sort of keywords like Annabelle needs to get better at listening. Um, Annabelle can't... They're struggling with friendships because of her personality. Annabelle distracts others around her when she's finished her work. Annabelle struggles to... Not struggles to um, avoid starting work early if she's interested in the subject matter. All of these point, things pointing towards predominantly hyperactive, impulsive ADHD, which I would have had in school. I know I would have been that subtype in school. Um, so I look sort of more into my past and I ask my parents quite a lot about like, what was I actually like? Why did you never take me abroad on holiday? Um, why did you never do like these kind of things? And they're like, well, you were really hard work you were like you were, you were such hard work but you were academic so you did really well in school that was like your place that was where you focused when you're in a classroom I'm still the same I can't focus in any environment but a classroom it's the one place I can be focused I don't know what it is about a classroom but I don't I, I'm such an extrovert I need I'm a competitive person so if there's lots of people around me all doing something I've got to be the best so I will work my brain produces dopamine when I'm being competitive and the classroom's like an ultimate competitive environment so anyway I book I thought you know what I, my friend Helen she said well you don't need a diagnosis because you don't want to go on meds I said but the thing is if you were told that you thought you've got something would you want to know or not especially something psychological I said to my mum I said mum I really do need to know about this ADHD you've been f- flinging these letters around since I was a really small child as I now know so I'm going to book up and I'm going to get assessed so obviously it's in the middle of Covid so I'm thinking well I'm going to have to find someone who's going to do it by a video call rather than me going somewhere because I'm never going to get a flipping diagnosis at this rate and I needed to know because I'm really impulsive so I book up this appointment with Psychiatry UK who do the majority now of assessments and I looked at their reviews and I thought yeah they, they seem to know what they're talking about and I purposely booked a psychiatrist who was older and had a lot of experience dealing with adults with ADHD um, and someone who's got their, who had their own practice and they know what they're talking about frankly so we did all these forms uh, God, my mum had to fill out this form. I had to fill out this form, and then we had to do so much paperwork. And I had to do this rating scale and things. And the more I'm doing, I'm thinking, God, I've got all of these things, haven't I? Literally, the only thing I didn't get was the forgetfulness because I'm not forgetful. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason I'm not forgetful. Um, in ter- so I was ticking everything off, thinking I'm probably going to get this diagnosis based on this report. See, they were saying about the forgetfulness, right? It's yeah. it's it's about the recall. Yeah. That's what I found. I've got a memory that I'll remember something, a conversation I'm having with someone 15 years ago when I see them again. Blah, blah. And how are you remembering that? But I couldn't recall it if I tried to. It's no, like no. having a DVD remote control for a Blu-ray player. And you're going, ah, but you're there. You've got it totally in there. We soak every bit of information in. No, I would say that. I'd say, um, I'll talk more about that later. But So I had this um, 17th of July, 
2020. I will have that, remember that date for the rest of my life. It is my grandma's birthday, so it does make it easier to remember. Um, but I had the assessment and I had it early in the morning. So I knew if I had it later in the morning and I had to wait for it, I would just be a wreck. There's a thing with ADHD is that neurotypicals just don't get. If we know something's happening, we can't think of anything else. It's called waiting mode and it's on all the groups. Like a normal person, so I shouldn't say normal, a typical person will be like, oh, that's happening in five hours. We better do it. We can- a muggle. We've a got muggle. a few things to do. Yeah, muggle. We've got a few things to do. Like before, I'm sure you know this, Carl. Oh, it's happening in five hours time. I'll do this and this and this and this. And you don't really think about the other thing. Well, and I ain't like that with us. If we're doing something, that's all we think about. We muddle everything else. What's our, what's our chats like on WhatsApp about the podcast or about the business or so? What's it like? Am I patient? Yeah, I need to tell Chris to sort of like it's it's okay. You can chill out tonight and, yeah, and leave it until I, I, tomorrow. I, I you know, can't, no, no, we can't do that. that that's I like, know, but I've got to get someone to tell me. I've got to get him to tell me in writing. And yeah. writing. No, neurotypicals. Were, I want. I, I want neurotypicals to know because genuinely, I, I'll be honest with you. I do struggle. I, I can't tutor or coach people on the autistic spectrum because of the rigidity and the order that I so wish I had in my life, but don't have. But neurotypicals. I've got loads of loads of connections with neurotypicals. I've got no issue talking to people who are neurotypical. But what neurotypicals need to know is we don't have the ability to wait for things. Uncertainty is terrifying when you've got ADHD. Far more than it is if you're neurotypical, because we can't. I can't put together in my head time, and I've only just realised this. I'm so strict with time. Everything has a place. Everything has a slot in my life with time, because if I have anything less than a rigid structure, I will. I would probably spend the entire day doing something, not knowing what I've achieved. If I have a rigid structure, everything gets done and everything gets done properly. It's a coping mechanism. Neurotypicals don't get it. And I really would like to get out there to people who don't have ADHD, what it is like having to have a structure. It's the only way you function. That's why school worked for me, because I got given a timetable. The structure we have is not ABC. No, it's not. And if you actually look at ADHDers, I've got, obviously, most of my friends are ADHDers because we just naturally get on with each other and understand each other. And I think having a support network is vital in order to... Legends don't meet. Legends don't meet. They accumulate. Yeah, true. I have found through talking to other ADHDers that it's... it, It seems to be a thing working with children. It seems to be something that we are naturally drawn towards. It's kind of predisposition to work with children. And I know why. Children, we are, I would say it's Peter Pan syndrome. I'd really like to rename it just to Peter Pan. I don't want to put disorder. Peter Pan brain, PBB. PPB would sound pretty cool. PPB, baby, I'm flying. Um, but it literally is like you're stuck in the brain of a child. And I remember being in school, still playing with Lego oh, when I was 15. Go add on. It's the brain of the children. Um, and see when you get older they think the anxiety and the uh, anxieties grow right and that yes. obviously suffers other symptoms but it's because yeah. we've got the brain of a child but we've got the fucking knowledge of an adult and probably a very intelligent adult it has and it's amazing because we actually are able I've got the knowledge I mean I've got really high IQ it's not that high but it's significantly higher than average so um, I mean I've got significantly I I don't want to boast about it because there's nothing to boast about I think IQ is just not even worth the paper it's written on frankly but I do know that my ability to problem solve quickly is good and combined with this childlike enthusiasm I'm coming up with the most 
just um, phenomenal places in my mind constantly. And when I was younger, I couldn't understand why when I was 15, 16, 17, I'd still got the ability to create things in my head like a small child can. And my friends are going off and they're, in their sort of getting relationships, getting normal jobs. And I'm thinking, I don't fit into this. And the older I get, the less I fitted in. But- the 9 till 5, I watched my peers join 9 till 5, study all these things that I just couldn't get to grips with. I kept on jumping from that fat to that at that age, yeah, at that 17, 18, 19 stage. My parents, because I left school, really good grades, really competitive person, left school, got a kind of temporary job in an office, and I got the sack within a month because I couldn't cope with the structure, I couldn't cope with the repetition, I couldn't cope with the fact I couldn't have conversations or create. And I left there, I did a history degree, which was very hard looking back it was probably not the best choice even though history is one of my favorite subjects probably not the best choice for an adhd brain um however it taught me a lot of skills it's helped me in my job and i love history and it's made me love history more which is great um but set up bed for tutor on a distraction i was bored one afternoon set up a business done that twice in my life and actually three times i did it in november as well um and for the first time realized actually i love working i've just got to work for myself i can't work for anyone else i've got to do it my own way i've got to do my own logos i've got to do my own website i've got to run the whole ship because at the end of the day i need to tailor this to something which is working differently and i never knew why it was working differently i'm just thinking well am i autistic and then i look through like the, the symptoms of autism thinking i'm definitely not this I, I really do not have a problem with people i've got a problem with managing myself not managing how i react to other people and i'm thinking yeah people are a problem but how is it i'm so empathetic and understanding can, can you can you sort out someone else easier than you can sort out yourself yeah, that is the problem. People have always come to me at school. I was chosen to as like a peer mentor to help other people. I was chosen as like a coach at school. I was chosen as a person to help new students. Then when I left school, I became a tutor, a coach, a mentor, a psychiatrist in some ways for these kids, it feels like, because I'm the one diagnosing them before they get diagnosed. I'm the one saying to the parents, I think your child's got ADHD or dyslexia or dyscalculia or whatever. And I, yes, I've always been able to help people. People friends always come to me if they want advice for something yet can I sort myself out well I have actually the last three months I have sorted myself out and it's been but it is a case of the fact I haven't known ADHD you've been dealt a different set of cards now right and the set of cards you've been dealt with what I found five years ago at 35 was a set of cards and it made me an explanation not an excuse but an explanation before I'd been making excuses for myself not doing things and it gave me an explanation of going that's the bits I can't do so that's why I've got to ask good friends to go and help me in things I can't do and then the things I can do I can do well yeah, they glow in the dark, these cards. They're like, they literally do guide you, even in like the darkest night. It's kind of, yeah, you get you get suddenly told something, and I don't like the term ADHD, because one, it isn't, in my opinion, it's not a deficit, it's not a disorder, it's a flipping brain difference. Well, it's a different human dimension. That's what we're calling it from now on, a different human dimension. Yeah, different ADHD, human dimension, right, so. A different human dimension, I love it, I'm going to stick with that. The thing is, we are not... We are disordered 
in a neurotypical sense. We're not disordered if you look at it from a different perspective. If you put a group of humans into a different situation, if you put a group of humans in a room, say with Lego, put us in a room of Lego and ask us to create something, people with ADHD probably won't have any difficulty because we will be chaotic. We won't plan it, we'll yeah. just build. People, neurotypicals be like, oh my God, we need paper, pens, we need to sit down and we need to plan well, it. There's the instructions. I'm trying to, they look at the box and look at the picture and go, how do I make this? We're like going, give me the bits, I'm making that, right? Instructions. The reason I didn't buy boxes full of um, instructions and kits, I never had kits of Lego when I was little, is because I just wanted to be given the bricks and my imagination will do the rest. I don't want other people's ideas, I want to use my own. And that's not because I'm arrogant, that's because there's so much in there, I need to get it out. So I guess it's just uh, around about the sort of like the ADHD galaxy bit like you started yes. started that like what what does all that all that cover okay so adhd galaxy um i set up when i got diagnosed i thought well uh, my personality i'm an enfp like um chris he only found out yesterday adhd galaxy is primarily on instagram okay it's the the main purpose of it is to spread awareness so for as many one second one second it's on instagram but how do you find it on instagram i'm hopeful to these things ADHD Galaxy. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, but the main port of call will be Instagram. The reason being, um, a lot of it is I take lots of photos, a lot of drawings, so it's a very visual way of looking at it. Um, I want to, more than anything, is to spread awareness. Um, I'm also an ADHD coach, although after listening to this, I doubt I'm going to get any customers. I think you've got plenty from this that will understand. My ADHD coaching style is very much through positivity. Um, I like to help people who, both medicated and unmedicated, um, but I am clear to people that um, as an unmedicated ADHDer, I I do like to work with people who don't want to medicate because I feel I can help them equally people who are medicated and need that extra little push psychologically um, so I do that and I every week will put two or more posts out that have little ideas that you can do little psychological ideas so I'm putting one out um, next week that is called Future Star and Chris has actually seen a, a preview of that it was Kyle about reframing and it's about reframing by thinking about your future self and how your future self will feel when you've done a job that you don't want to do and I've got proof it works because I actually use it on my clients with my clients rather and they obviously they have to lead the activity themselves um, but it is really effective it is really effective so that is something I'm promoting a lot more that I didn't do a couple of months ago um, and also it's just a place where I want ADHDs to feel they can contact me if they feel that they need someone to talk to. I like to video chat people. Um, I don't, it's not purely just the coaching, the paid coaching. I'm always happy to talk to people who want a little bit of a pick up um, and to prove to people that ADHD, you can do it without drugs. Um, you can do it without any kind of um, medicine. You can do it naturally with exercise, diet talking to other people with ADHD um, and to show people that you don't have to go straight on the meds if you don't want to. And, and you can feel comfortable in your own skin. <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing. It's I have ADHD. 
my children's book Hadey and Ada I wrote that right at the start of the diagnosis journey just after I've been diagnosed and I wanted to come to terms with the condition I wrote I based it on one of the girls I tutor who um, kind of was also a reason for me seeking the diagnosis because of my my um, similarities to her so I wrote the book um, I'm really want to promote that the money I make from it I want to put back into the business and help more children with ADHD especially when we get back to visiting lessons when um, the pandemic starts to slow um, last thing we're going to ask you there is see the Bedford Tutor what's yes. the way you can that? what's the way you can find out about Bedford Tutor Bedford Tutor Bedford Tutor is my business which I set up when I was bored one day when I was 21 um, which is typical isn't it um, and Bedford Tutor is all about it, it's um, I, I was quite largely unsuccessful getting a job so I kind of set up my own business I set up a children's entertaining business when I was 15, 16 in the library at school because I was bored um, and then I was bored again so I set up Bedford Tutor thinking it would just become sort of be like a part time job um, but it, yeah it's my full time career um, what I do is when when it's normal situation um, I've got my own fully equipped classroom um, that's ADHD friendly um, and <clears throat> We tutor children in a hands-on way um, and we use things like Lego, we use so many different resources. To, I've, I've invested my life into it um, and then at the moment it's all online but it's all about teaching children in a different style. It's a kind of engagement rather than worrying about um, what they learn each lesson, I focus on getting them engaged my aim is to get them engaged in learning if they're supposed to be doing multiplication and we end up doing addition and subtraction if they're engaged in it that's the success it's not we don't have the objective driven approach that the schools have it works because of the style of children we tutor we tutored mainly children um, with either confidence issues adhd dyslexia dyscalculia we don't do children with autism spectrum because the nature is extremely spontaneous um, and it could be very it could be overstimulating really work for children with autism unfortunately we'd love to think we could but with my personality it's not usually a very good fit um which i hold my hands up it's not it's me the problem there well, it's per personally did as, per as a personal it's, personal service that so has to fit it's it's a great job to have it makes me a good living um and i love it i can work from home i don't have to commute um it's brilliant it's um so at the moment at the moment are you still are you still working online then are you still taking on online how do you can how can we contact you on that um bedford tutor is just to go on to bedfordtutor.co.uk it's, okay, it's, just make it so that's clear and we can hear it all there and we'll go. Okay, I do it all over the UK. I tutor people in Saudi, I tutor people in Dubai. It's a case of if the time zone difference works, obviously I promote it mainly to the United Kingdom um, because of the nature of, sort of the education yeah. system. The United Kingdom is pretty much the same wherever you go. Um, but in terms of I will tutor abroad if if I need to, um, and I love working with kids abroad, um, but it's I'm doing at the moment probably about seven, eight hours a day of tuition still um, and with the admin it's yeah so I mean probably six hours of tuition a couple of hours of admin each day so Annabelle Chris mentioned you had written some poems and some poetry as well it'd be really cool to, to hear to hear one of those if you're up for it this one is one that actually is about how my brain feels and how it links ideas yeah. It's not rhyming. Serenity and mystery, karma desire, which holds meaning in the minds of those who exist in singular line. Moving with grace on a linear bridge, 
between ideas, concepts, plans. I hold them close like gems, as though their skills transmit by osmosis into a mind which cannot realise time in its incomprehensible design, moving to a place in a future which, like a circle, exists outside of there, everywhere, all at once or never at all. My mind twists strings from forgotten things which construct patterns, clues like footsteps in the snow, above, below, everywhere. They never start, never end, but are always a part of a misunderstood circuit board, clumsily installed to fit in a bubble of standardised art. Serenity of promise, calm of belief. My mind exists chasing syntax to relieve the burden of an unfinished story. They said was a waste unless underlined in scheduled haste. I sit back with cluttered rhyme and chaotic mind as their lives strive once again to complete a paradox in time when all around circles form from single line. I want to explain what it's like to be me, the girl in the room who has ADHD. I can smell every scent, I can hear every sound, sense the turn of the earth, feel the pull of the ground. My brain thinks in bubbles, which appear and then pop. My mind's always active, it won't sit and stop. If I'm engaged, then my brain calms its pace and I find in the chaos a new quiet place. But when my thoughts crash and emotions collide, my outer is numbed by the turmoil inside. I sense all the feelings and take all the pain, feel the pull of self-doubt in my paralysed brain. When the sun shines above and lights up my inside, you'll see wonder and joy as I bask in a pride. I can work with a passion, do my jobs with a spark, but the boring is felt as the coming of dark. Just try to remember, I'm trying my best, but my brain isn't able to slow down and rest. I will never stop thinking, I can't feel that calm, but I'm here to make friends. I won't do any harm. I just want to explain what it's like to be me, that girl in the room who has ADHD. I've written loads. That's only one of them. I've written loads more. Big thanks to Annabelle from ADHD Galaxy and Bedford Tutor there. We'll be featuring more of the poetry and bits and bobs in further episodes to come on A Different Human Dimension. But just on, let alone in the last since 2018, a couple of legislations have changed of how we treat people with adults with ADHD, and we, mm. we approach this. That's changed, but the system's not changed. Well, the, the national system's not changed in this country. Um, but there's se- several routes been out there in research for years and developed developed um, medical medical research, and that's all out there. That there's not just one glove fits the whole lot. And no, especially combined conditions. That's the hardest thing with ADHD. I mean, I'm, I'm down as ADHD combined. So there's an attentive and there's attentive, okay? And then there's combined. Um, and then on top of that, I've been given a list. I'll, I'll give a list out there. Like there, there's three or four different personality disorders they're saying on top of that. So mm-hmm. I've got a list of things I've got to try and deal yeah. with. On a- 
Haley you put it in a good uh, a good way once as well. It was like cluster B cluster something. What did you say? It's like so what? Well, I'm a genuine cluster. I, I, I will find that, but I texted and read it to you. But basically, even the doctor said right, and I referred to the doctor because the doctor said well, you've got a cluster B of combination of this, a cluster B of combination of this, a cluster C of this, and I went. So do you mean? And this is quoted in one of the written bits I got in my medical report. And Mister Mister O'Brien referred back to. So you tell me I'm a clusterfuck. <laughs> so basically that's that's basically I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist. I call just wet dream and paper. I think that's what it said there. I went, thanks guys. Yeah. Like I mean, that's just like 36. Now I'm in two years going through this mental health process. Now I'm I'm sitting there going, wow. Um, so yeah. So um, all these labels and all that stuff I'm not looking for the label I wasn't going in for the label I wasn't going in for the pills I was going in for the understanding of how my brain was working differently yeah. but since doing the pod wise I've got a purpose to go and contact people for I'm showing from where my story it went from diagnosis through to what I'm doing with the diagnosis okay and how am I approaching the diagnosis because I just wanted the understanding so I knew when I was going forward whatever I go forward with my life now I can explain myself better not excuse myself but explain myself to people who might be concerned about some of my behaviours um, and but that's why as, as you say as well it's like it's it's um, it's not a deficit it's it's, it's, it's like a, it's a positive thing there's it's you know I mean I see I don't know about yeah. you but it's peaks and troughs but there's 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 definitely positives to to have you're, you're one of my good friends you're one of my good friends I can say that right that you're one of my good friends I've got maybe about five or six maybe at the most uh, that kind that, of get that and kind of also get that I knock myself because I don't know I don't know that always about myself because I, I, I I'm so I'm so um, not saying concentrate say concentrated but I'm so um, overwhelmed with the shit I'm trying to deal with this is the bad shit yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. you guys get to see all the good shit do you know what I mean and I'm dealing with all this fucking stuff in between that, that I'm going and I'm forgetting I'm needing the toilet or other, I mean all these bits and pieces in between that I'm Often tangents when I'm just trying to concentrate on the conversation at the time, and it's it can be really amusing. And then I can walk away from that afterwards, and then I can think to myself, overthink to myself that wait a minute, were they laughing with me or were they laughing at me? And then I'll start yeah. laughing at myself the way I've been, but I might be laughing at myself, but they might be actually laughing with me. But it's me yeah. that's laughing at myself. You know what I mean? But then you're around and, and you're talking about borderline personality disorders and all this bits and pieces, eh? But I'm going, oh, thanks, guys. It's really helped. But it's the reassurance. It's the it's the it's the, it's the trigger. Not the trigger. It's the um, the prompts. And I would say the yeah. prompts sometimes. You would have that in a tribal setting. People would bump into. There are community. The people would communicate with each other in that community um, about things. But if you're there on your own. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to function with a society that's very individualised and it's about, you know what I mean? The prompting-wise helps me. As in right now, I'm going, should I be talking right now? Am I supposed to be talking? What was I talking about? Because my mind's totally went from what I was just saying. And I'm going... But it's like, yeah, it's, 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 as you say, it's the whole, <laughs> the whole like, prompt, the, the, the prompt things. And I guess, like, having people that kind of under... Because yourself um, and a couple of other friends um, that, that I have anyway um, have been diagnosed with like ADHD as as well you know and it's just like being just able to kind of just sort of you know it's just like different as the title of the podcast says it's a, it's a different human dimension so it's like yeah. you know what I mean so see the bit you find there you might find that from your friends if they were diagnosed younger and they had understanding families right mm. They, they might have got the reassured reassured about their difference okay 
Yeah. But if you weren't diagnosed earlier and you weren't reassured about that, I mean, there's statistics that. out there. Like, I remember one of the ones I read there, and I might just, uh, but that's not blowing up the bits. On average, an ADHD child by adolescence would have heard another 12, 12 to 20,000 personal character assassinations or per- personal character, do you know what I mean? Traits yeah, taken yeah, yeah. down about them as an insult into them, right? Yeah. So you can imagine that as a grown ass adult and sit there and go, on top of that, just sit down in a chair and people are going to come at you and just insult you, character assassinate you 12,000 times. Yeah, for you. you feel about that afterwards, right? Well, that kid's probably grown up on that right way through to that until maybe diagnosed and went, oh my God, all them bits I thought I was getting wrong, I was actually getting right. And when you're around people that understand that, you feel better about yourself. Totally. But if you're not and you're trying to hide all your traits and all your tics and all that stuff, and you're feeling nervous about being yourself, Later in years, anxiety and all that yeah. stuff on top of the societal things we've got right now, and that's what's happened with the rest of society. Everybody's popping pills and taking, yeah, I mean, taking tablets, coffee, cigarettes, all that stuff there to go and get the stimulants, all that stuff to go and somehow come across normal. Or something, oh, I don't fuck much about coffee in the morning and that stuff. And you're like, okay, well, understand it. Yeah, that's exactly. It's all about the, especially like now with everyone being somewhat isolated as well. There's like that suppression of your own mental health and stuff like that. And I mean, for for some people, madly so in this lockdown, right? Because we've not really mentioned well, we mentioned lockdown. It's happening like this this third time or fourth time, depends where you are and all that stuff, right? It's mental for me because I'm actually feeling more at ease now because I've been living in lockdown for the last four and a half years. Yeah, and yeah. the rest of the world's actually joined in with me. Yeah, you know just I mean? that way of like being is. I mean, same for myself. Like, you know, it's like you're kind of. It's, it's, it's isolating. Even you know, especially if you live on your own. I've got a few pals that live on their own as well, and it's it's it must be hard. Like I'm lucky enough to to live with two other people, but. Well, know. I was going to say I, I would like to say I would be lucky enough because I do have. I mean, my ex my ex partners over the years. They all talk to me, bar one. The, the, all the rest of them talk to me, and they know I was always lively and all that. But again, my energy was too much. <laughs> and yeah. we both knew, we, we, we all ended up kind of friends. Like the other ones there ended as friends, they know me still, right? Um, I've got that one, the letter from that, the other ex there, but the, um, the, I, I noticed how I jump, jumped from relationship to relationship. And I was lucky yeah. to have the gift of the gab in that sense there, but I didn't realise that that's what I'd done until I sat down with them doctors and they went, Mr O'Brien, we can see your traits here and you didn't function in this bit. And I went, all oh, right, yeah, that makes kind of sense. But um, that's what I said to my CPN. I went, look, I, I don't want to be in a relationship to function. I want to be able to function. And, and I want to be in a relationship, but I wanted to be able to function myself before I did that. Now, Yes, I'm here with Buddy. Right? That's all. It's just being Buddy still, right? But um, yeah, I, I, I said I'd wait my time until I was got my teeth into my creative stuff again, and that's why I'm doing the X Y Z Equal project with yourself. We're doing mm-hmm. a, a kick project. We will mention that afterwards as well again. But the um, but the pod thing as well. This was the first step I was doing to go and write. I need to get all this what I've been wearing my head for the last few years out in the open and find some way to go and help other people that hopefully they can find a way to go and express their stories and tell their stories or find a way that we can help each other in any ways we can and signpost each other to services that we can help create or help help yeah i mean help point 
the people in the power to go and actually push towards actually helping people um, yeah. in the different variety of situations we're all in. Because the Sparks project was very interesting to me. But before pandemic, I phoned them up and they said, well, look, some of the teams moved on, some of this moved on. I still can't find a contact for them. So again, anybody that's worked on that one, please, I would mind hearing feedback from that because it seemed a very interesting project they were doing. But when I contacted the, the occupational therapy over this side of the, uh, the country, they said, we don't deal with that side of that kind of thing. And I said, well, the NHS over the other side of the country have done a pilot project and they say it works. I think as a community of ADHD years, I mean, worldwide or wherever we are, Scotland-wide, worldwide, really, hopefully, because internet-wise, um, we can help each other and point each other's in directions and, do you mean, yeah, find platforms sure. to help us the... share, share, share experiences so hopefully we can learn from them and we can all, do you know what I mean? What I said to my advocate was, I know I'm not be able to get the services I'm needing from the NHS, but I just want to make sure that no one else has to go through that system and get made to feel a burden like I did okay yeah yeah because that made me feel worse about my conditions instead of at the first of the first of all that first letter I wrote from the got the CPN I felt actually right I'm actually I'm dealing with this I can deal with this I can get the support in see since that couple of months after that letter pretty much I've had four years of of having a system tell me I'm a burden to it and I'm like but I'm, I know I'm not if I'm put in a right environment in the right tribe I'm actually an asset okay for sure and like that's the the, the the positive spin on it there are different whether they be private they're not going to be NHS but they are there are places that, that can help um, there's a, a place I recently completed counselling at um, across in Leith in, in Edinburgh but the way they've done it is it's sort of like a, a pay what you want or it goes on your earnings so you're not paying you know 150 plus pounds per session they look at how much you can actually afford whether you're on benefits or earning and then you can get help with what you need what you'll find with this as well when people go oh, well, I can't afford this or that but we say if you looked at it if you found a place that was actually within your budget to use having yeah. a session there the knock-on effect of that on your own economy might actually be beneficial because it might be alleviating some of the stuff that's stopping you doing the stuff that's actually going to keep you balanced or help balance your boots, books for yourself. Local there economy thing as well. You know? yeah. There's a rebalancing of the economy, the, 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 the social structure here, the, 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 the social care structure here, the good help people get a, a balanced economy, a circular economy for themselves to go and actually, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, but it's right now, it feels like they're keeping me from being homeless, but they're keeping my head above uh, below the water. Because I know the things that can work for me and help me, mm -hmm. but I can't afford them. But yeah, there's a project we will talk about shortly once we've got a bit more things secured that we hope to be able to help a lot of people with. Um, but uh, right now, the pod is our platform to go and talk about the story of helping, well, as we can, as we're saying, this is something we're just here to go and hopefully have people a platform to go and share their own experiences and their own solutions to this, okay? So this is about finding solutions as well as um, sharing our problems because then we can, I mean, problem problem, ha problem shared is a problem halved if, if there's a lot exactly. more solutions to go and offer. Um, top tips, living, throw in any suggestions or anybody out there that would like to 
come and have a chat with me and Kyle and tell your own story through this that there might be and look, look, we'll get more subjects in here when we get more um, people involved with feedback and stuff um, and we'll hopefully there's a certain bits of format we're going to add into the podcast over the time because we're still working from a distance across the country from each other with the coast to coast <laughs> coast to coast aye. but um, yeah thanks for listening to episode 2 of A Different Human Dimension don't forget you can get in touch by emailing xyzcic.scott at gmail.com Also thank you to John Patton for providing some background music for part of this podcast as well and we'll leave that to, to play out until next time